0: Hi everybody, I'm Josh, and I'm Ethan, and this is The Young
1: Perspective. So today we're talking about a book we just read in our English class. It's called Fahrenheit 451. Uh, It's kind of a social commentary written in the 1950s by Ray Bradbury. So, Ethan, take take it away with the the description.
0: So, if you haven't read the book, um, it's a popular book, but if you haven't read it, basically it follows a man named Guy Montag in a futuristic American society where he is a firefighter. But he's not your average firefighter like you see nowadays. Firefighters in their society burn books. So the government has outlawed books. You can't read any book. You can't have a book. You can't, they're basically trying to censor all of their citizens to have a simplistic life where they don't ask any questions and just uh, do exactly what they're told. And so the firefighters, uh, when they get a tip about where a book is, they go and burn the book and they arrest the person who has it. And so- Crazy. Guy meets a girl named Clarice, a teenager who's living next door to him. And Clarice basically changes his mindset about um, the whole society that he lives in and convinces him that he's not happy. He, he needs more in life. He's not, the society isn't, um, with it's all the censorship, isn't fulfilling uh, what he needs. He needs knowledge um, to, be, to live uh, freely. And so he, over the, the, uh, a week, a period of a week, he changes his entire life. We find out that he's been, um, stealing books from all the houses that he's been burning and so he starts reading these books and uh he shows them to his wife and his wife gets afraid his commander finds out about the books and he's going to be arrested but he kills his commander and he uh runs tries to leave the city and he's a big chase to try and get him by the government um but he's able to get out and he joins a society where the society um reads books and they memorize the books and they hold on to those the books and they hold on to teach them to the next generation and hopefully try and change the world to make it so they're allowed to read books and they're allowed to have knowledge, and the government doesn't have so much power and censorship over them.
1: And so basically at the end of the book, what happens is he's, he's out of this, this city in this little group or society, um, and the, the nation, the United States, enters a war, and the city he was in is bombed Is bombed by a nuclear bomb, or uh, the other enemy the enemy nation drops a nuclear weapon on on the city and the city is flattened and guy montag basically escaped and it saved his life right he's um, right
0: outside the city he sees it get, getting bombed and everything destroyed everything these huge massive buildings just collapsing into nothing
1: yeah and it's kind of a social commentary because the book was written i think 1953 sometime in the 50s and that's right at the beginning of the cold war right mm-hmm. so so the first bomb a nuclear weapon was dropped um in 1945, by the U.S. on Japan, and then after that, they had the Cold War and the arms race between the United States and, and USSR to gain nuclear weapons. And the big fear was the danger of nuclear weapons. What can right. they do to a city? What we have to be careful with them. Um, people were building bomb shelters and were stocking up on food. So it was it was really in the forefront of people's minds. But but I think it's interesting this whole idea of government censorship. And, and the goal wasn't to try to make, or Captain Beatty, the commander that Guy Monta killed, claimed that the goal wasn't to make people miserable. He claimed the goal was to make people happy. And, and that seemed to be the whole idea in the society, society to try to, to limit knowledge, limit censorship, I mean, limit how much people know, because when they don't know much, then they can be happy. They know ignorance is bliss. So so when they don't have all these intellectual ideas, when they don't think about war, when they don't think about fraud, all these crazy bad things in the world, when they don't have to think about that, they'll be happy. So that's why books are banned. That's why a lot of films are banned, because they don't want the people to be stressed out and unhappy.
0: You know, that's a common theme in a bunch of um, dystopian books and films, it's that when the government censors everyone, it's not because they're trying to be oppressive. It's not because they're trying to be mean or they think you don't deserve the right to know this. We're trying to rule over you. It's trying, they're saying, we want to make your life better. And when you read all these books, you get all these ideas and you get sad. You don't need that. If you're just live a simple life, you're so much happier. Oh, you have, you just have, you're sitting in your, your home with your husband and maybe your kid and you watch TV all day long on these walls where you have these fake families that are customized to um, these electronic families that are customized to be so nice to them and and everyone thinks that they're so happy but really they just don't know any better and they're actually quite sad and don't really uh, think much outside of just their every just their normal lives.
1: You, You know it's interesting because the claim is that it makes people happy and and if Is ignorance really bliss? Is not knowing anything really making people happy? I don't think so. First of all, when when you're ignorant, all the facts you know, everything you know is meaningless. When you don't have the truth, when you're you're not told the truth and what's really, really substantial in the world, then everything, your life becomes meaningless. Everything becomes meaningless. Uh, And the second thing is that because of censorship, or censorship basically is when the government comes and they, and they t- stop one idea from going into the masses, from one the masses from, from accessing one idea, and they give the masses a different idea, right? They're forcing some kind of ideology down the brains of the masses. And the, and the problem with that is that means the masses are enslaved to the government. The masses are at the begging call of whatever the government wants them to think. So they're, they're slaves to the, to the government ideology. But when you have free speech, when there's no censorship, when people are allowed to think what they want to think, they're not enslaved. They can make decisions on what they want to make decisions on. They're free to choose one opinion or another opinion. And that word freedom is key. When they're free from the government choosing what they think, when they're free, that's when they can truly be happy. And that's when they can they can truly find meaning. Right. When
0: you, They might not think that they're enslaved, the citizens in 451. Because they don't know any better, they think that this is the life that um, that's always been. Uh, we've always um, uh, haven't been allowed to read books since for the past hundred years, and this is what we really want. But that's because they don't know any better. They don't. Their government is only telling them one ideology. And if you only know one ideology, how can you know that you're being enslaved? How can you know that you're being forced only this one idea when there are thousands of ideas? When when you're being forced to have this uh one opinion, or to believe in this one God or only t- or to do all this w- this one thing, you don't know any better because you haven't experienced anything else, and that's what's causing them to uh so that's what's allowing the government to enslave these people without them doing anything because they don't realize that they're uh, that, that they're being enslaved and that there's a better life ahead of them with knowledge uh, and the knowledge gives them power it gives them the information they need to live a life of their own um, opinions and
1: their own beliefs and their own ideology. To some level, ignorance is bliss. Because if these people were truly unhappy, they're probably happy and blissful to some level. But if they were truly unhappy, then they would rise up against the government. The masses would rise up and they would overthrow the government right? So, so in, to some level, the government censorship is working, right? And it's keeping the people content with, with what they have and, and the information they're given. But if you apply this to our world, it doesn't work that way. Right, Josh.
0: The reason why, um, if you just uh, take away all information uh, and say that ignorance is bliss, uh, why that doesn't work in a real society is because in a real society, we um, we've seen we can see uh, and we know um, other ideas. When you're born into, when the people in this society, they're born into this life. So that's all they know. They've never experienced anything else. And so when but the government does about, that, like- when the government does that, uh, and they and they maybe they're sad about. Uh, they're they're not happy. They don't know any other happy, and so they think that this is uh, good. This is how I am. But they haven't
1: experienced any other life what where they about- could be a lot happier. What about being born into the China. China has huge censorship laws, right? The, the people, their, their citizens can't access Facebook. They can't access YouTube. They can't access a lot of Google sites. In, in China, and the people of China are somewhat happy. It's kind of interesting. Even though China has tons of censorship and lack of freedom of speech, the, the regime is able to still, is to still reign. And, and maybe that's an unsustainable, sustainable government. You look at the United, the USSR um, during the Russian Revolution started in the twenties, nineteen nineteen, the twenties, and it went all the way till 1990, 1991, right? So, so it seems like the idea of censorship, the idea of limiting the freedom of speech of a nation, isn't sustainable. Um, and we see countries like China right now who are imposing censorship, like North Korea. I think North Korea is the most comparable country we have to the the utopia in Fahrenheit 451. But but when you have these countries who impose censorship, life isn't all that good because people there's a a lot of people who don't take that government ideology. There's, that causes them to rise up against the government and that causes a lot of violence, right? So you have uh, in in, the, in China, they imprison a lot of journalists who speak out against them. They, they imprison that doctor who spoke about COVID-19, which the Chinese Communist Party didn't like. In North Korea, they have camps where they send, they send people who don't believe the party ideologies or go against the government. So it seems that censorship causes violence. And when you have a violence in a nation, I believe that's unsustainable.
0: So it takes the massives to stop this. Uh, in the story, we kind of get the idea that the society that Montong is joining will get a lot of supporters. And eventually, um, with, a, with a lot of people, a lot of citizens rising up against their oppressive government, they'll make change. It doesn't take one person, like uh, in these cases when you just have one person in China or one person in uh, North Korea just stand up and say, uh, and try and uh, be a journalist or write about something or do something, stand up against the government, that one person is struck down and silenced. But when you have no. thousands of people, uh, hundreds of thousands of people rise up against the government, they can't silence everyone at once.
1: Yeah, but the, the masses aren't going to all of a sudden start rising up against the government. No, it takes time. You see, you see every revolution it started by a very small group of people so you see the fall of the soviet union was was um the fall of the soviet union was was because of a guy named lech Walesa, a a polish guy working in a polish shipyard in like 1988 or 1989 something like that and he started the chain of events which arguably led to, to the end Of the Soviet Union. So one guy is able to change not only the whole fate of the Union, but the whole fate of the world. Because that made America a lot safer and the West safer. And and that gives a lot of hope for Guy Montag, right? Maybe one guy, Guy Montag, can change his whole society.
0: But it it wasn't one guy in that case of the Soviet Union. It was one guy who stood up and got supporters. He realized that he couldn't do it himself. He needed other people to join him. And Guy Montag realized that he couldn't do this whole uh, this whole fight against uh, the the, ban- the burning of books by himself. He got a friend to help him, and then he joined a society where they were where they were helping to start reading books. It's the idea of that. Uh, maybe you start it yourself, but you get others. You can't do it just by yourself. You can that, get, you can lead others, but you need more people
1: to follow you. Well, well, usually the way you get others to to help support you is because they have some similar belief, right? right. So in, in the in the example of Lech Walesa in, in the Gdansk, the port, the shipyard in Gdansk, Poland, he had other shipyard workers. Who, who didn't like what was happening in the USSR. So he said, we're going to stand, we're going to strike. They striked and they didn't work. Um, and if you have people with similar beliefs, then it's, it's easier to get a revolution started.
0: So you need a leader and you need the followers. And when you have a leader who gets the followers ready and riled up, ready to make change, that's when you, change is made. It's when people rise up under a common cause, under something that they're all believe should be changed. And they make that change and they either fight or it's, um, or it's protesting or it's political, um, tension. It's all of these things that, uh, make change in our world
1: for the better or for the worse. You know, you look at our society, we believe a lot of people believe that one person can't make a difference. We have no power to change the world. But just like Lech Walesa, if we can start a movement, we can change the world. If I stand up for what I believe in, I may get traction with my idea and I can truly change the world. So, so one guy in, in 1914 killed Archduke Ferdinand in, in Eastern Europe. One guy killed Archduke Ferdinand. The stats started World War 1. He changed the fate of world, world the world. Without World War 1, World War II wouldn't have happened. The Nazis wouldn't have had the, done the Holocaust. Um, without World War 1, the Cold War likely would not have happened. All these things were because of one guy killing the Archduke. So one action can have a lot of a lot of effects on the world. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is a really interesting episode. Josh and I would like to thank you guys for listening, and this was The Young Perspective.